Epiphany Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, your host, the best to ever do it, Cody Smith. Oh, you're my boy. Thank you, sir. Oh yeah. Yeah 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 yeah. Uh, so happy Friday, and what an eventful sports week we had, and uh, I'm here to I'm here to recap it for you. Tons of things going on. Number one, happy Friday. Like, here's the deal. I'm cheersing everybody right here. Boom. Happy Friday. Hope you uh, hope you have whatever type of beverage or relaxing method you have um, in hand, ready to go, and ready for a blessed weekend. So that's number one. Just want to get that out the way. Uh, number two, like I was saying, crazy amount of things going on in the sports world. Um, Mavericks talking about trying to unload and get Kyle Lowry, maybe some other things going on. Texas Rangers have traded Joey Gallo um, for four big-time prospects out of the Yankees system. So RIP the Joey Gallo dream. And um, I, I think that it – I don't think. It was the right decision. I know that a lot of people are upset. I know that – I know that we grow partial to our own players, and I get that, that we should. But the business is the business side of it, and we're not winning anytime soon. You know, like that's what I'm trying to get across is the winning part is very far away, and (laughs) we don't have time to hang on to our current assets and just hope that somehow we miraculously become a contending team out of nowhere. Uh, before we have to pay him a lot of money so instead we trade him for the assets we get those assets and here's the deal y'all there's still a chance i mean it's an off chance but there's still a chance that like you could sign him as a free agent he's got a year and a half left on his deal so after next season maybe you're like okay like if joey really wants to be here like he said he did and the rangers are willing to extend money to him like if he continues to progress and He's still the man. Then you get the assets, and you still got to get him back a year and a half later. So, I mean, it's happened before. I've seen it. So, if he doesn't want to sign with the Yankees, he can sign with us. So, there we go. So, just want to get that out of the way. Other ones that uh, happened, I don't have the full return yet, but Ian Kennedy, our closer, and Kyle Gibson, our all-star pitcher, also on the move. Uh, They are going to, I believe, put me on the spot here. Uh, I saw it earlier. Let me uh, let me find it for y'all. Hold on, hold on, hold on. So Ian Kennedy having a having a good year, and then uh, Kyle Gibson was having a Cy Young year for a little bit. Like uh, Phillies, Philadelphia Phillies have pulled the trigger on this one. Let me see if I can get some return. Ooh, also we gave up Hans Kraus. Uh, so. Hans Kraus was one of our top prospects in the system, so we must have gotten something that's a little more right now ready. Uh, we got Spencer Howard, Kevin Gowdy, and Josh Gessner. Um, no, I don't know anything about any of these players. I don't know anything about other people's minor league systems. All I know is the um, um, 
you know, like the guys in our system, I know a little bit, but um, yeah, I'm trying to see what the Kraus thing was. Um, yeah, that's a surprise to me. I did not know that until I had to look up who took them. Hans Kraus, and we traded three pitchers for three pitchers. That's exactly what happened. So I'm assuming the Rangers liked what they saw from those guys rather than Hans Kraus and maybe something a little more right now ready. Something a little more major league ready because last time I checked, I don't, I don't think Hans Kraus was uh, like ready to go. So, you know, the thing is, is that I don't overreact to these prospects and stuff like that because people always go, who, who? Like anybody actually knows the players that we tried. We didn't know who Willie Calhoun was. We didn't know who Adolis Garcia was. You know, I mean, it is what it is. We didn't know who Joey Gallo was when we drafted him either. I didn't start hearing his name until like a spring training happened. So just chill a little bit. That's what I'm trying to say is let's relax. It's all good. Let the, let, let the prospects be the prospects. It's a very low, um, or it's a high risk game, but High risk, high reward is typically how these prospects go. So there's always high risk. There's never like a low risk process, uh, prospect. They're, they're all high risk. Even uh, jo uh, Jake, Jake Leiter, uh, right? I believe that's Jack Leiter. Um, number two pick for us. Uh, big time, best pitcher in the draft, hands down. That doesn't mean that he's going to pan out. You know? I mean, it's that just is what it is. So we're like, oh, cool. You know, like, yeah, we got the best pitcher in the draft. That can mean nothing. You know, I think I remember we got like a pretty awesome pitching prospect, uh, Dylan Tate, I believe. He didn't do a thing in his career, still hasn't. So it can go either way, you know. So uh, so we need to we need to relax on on all the crazy overreaction for the Rangers trades so far. I think we're gonna be fine. So that's just me. That's just me. So that aside. I did want to take a quick, quick break. Just wanted to knock out some top stories. I'm saving a couple of them, rolling them into the next uh, next segments. But uh, obviously, I wanted to start with the Stars because they made a ton of noise uh, in, in free agency so far and uh, had a pretty nice draft too. But basically, it was posing the question, are the Stars still contenders after, after all this is said and done? So we're going to take a very small break. And then, uh, and then I'm going to get right back to it. We're going to answer that question how I think it is. So we'll be right back. As far as uh, the stars are concerned, the topic of this segment is, are the stars still contenders? Now, if we want to recap what they've done so far in free agency, uh, we signed Ryan Suter to a four-year deal, and I'll pull up all the numbers real fast just to make sure. 
uh, we're, we're not misspeaking here, so I'm going to pull up his contract. Four years, 3.65 million cap hit on a per year basis. Now, uh, I'll stop at each one and then, can. well, you know what, we'll go through all of them real fast. So, Bra Braden Holtby was the biggest shock out of all of these, a one year, deal two million dollars um, and uh, Braden Holtby the former Vesnia uh, winner and used to be awesome on the Capitals and he's been a Canuck for the past couple years hasn't been great as a starter um, think he can be a fine backup for Ottinger and that's what Jim Nils is saying he wants to happen so I'm assuming one and or both of Ben Bishop and Anton Hudobin are out the door. So, and that's going to free up some more cap space for maybe some more moves. So that's kind of exciting in a sense. Um, we've also got uh, Luke Lindeling, and uh, he is, I, I, I believe that's how you pronounce his name, Glendening. Glendening is how you say it. I think I was trying to add an L in there. Glendening. Uh, played in Detroit. Dude's uh, a face-off king. Kills penalties at a high clip. Not not great offensively. It'll get you 15 to 20 points a, a season. Um, and, I mean, he had 15 points in a shortened season last year. So, seven goals. You know, I mean, like, he's not going to – he doesn't have this high upside on the offensive side. But super hard uh, player, grinder, um, plays very hard is more what I'm trying to say. And uh, – just wins faceoffs at a ridiculous level. So very crafty, very savvy, and uh, you gotta love that. We've also got, um, let me pull him up here. We also got Yanni Hakenpa. Uh, he is a Finn from um, from Carolina, actually. He is 29 years old. Guy is 6'5", 218, a pure man, and uh, he uses that body quite well. He was second in the NHL in hits last year, over 200. I believe the number was 215. Um, not going to give you a bunch of offensive upside. I mean, that's the, you know, there's a running theme in the guys that we signed other than Ryan Suter, which we're going to get to here in a second. But they, uh, I mean, they've, they've done what they're supposed to do as far as, like, fixing the holes on this team. What I'm saying with Hawk and Pop is I've seen him play very well he's got he's, he's very he moves very well especially for his size um, tons of physicality plays extremely well in his own zone that's the big thing uh, plays better than Alexiak does honestly in his own zone and uh, is way more consistent is more of what I'm trying to say like he him him compared to Alexiak which he's not replacing Alexiak he is replacing like the big dude on the roster as far as defense goes but you know, Alexiak was playing in that in that Miro pair. That's not where he's going to be playing. He's actually probably replacing either Joel Hanley or Andre Sekera, and either one is a huge upgrade <laughs> over the other there. And uh, that's a good segue because we'll just go back up from where where we were. Like we're going to go ascending order back to where we uh, uh, all the way back to Ryan Suter. So it's Friday, y'all. My mind's not. Not all the way working. It's the end of the day. Cheers. So, all of that aside, let's just compare Hockenpah to Sekera just last year. Let's just go just last year. 
Hockenpah only played in 15 games um, with Carolina. He came over via trade. So if we want to just put together his whole season, he had four points total, right? Two goals, two assists. There you go, right? Came over in a trade from Anaheim. Now, we want to go over to Sakura's totals. He played in 46 games and had five points. So that's what you get from third line. Now, 15 games, if you can have just one less point and like a billion more hits, blocking shots, doing the things that he needs to do uh, to get his team right, I'll take that over what I'm seeing with Sekiro. So I know that we were freaking out and we don't really, we're like, oh, we need forwards, we need scoring, we need this, we need that. I agree. I still think those moves are coming because you're going to have to shed salary. Like I said, you might get rid of both Bishop and uh, Dobie at this point. Uh, Bishop is staying on long-term injured reserve to start the year, so his cap number will not count. So we're already going to free up like close to five mil right there. Maybe more like four and a half or four, you know, a little over four, whatever. The, it remains to be seen what they'll do with that cap, but that is a little extra to maybe sign a guy that's maybe got some offensive upside and has kind of slipped through the cracks or via trade, you know? You, maybe you're trading Dobie and you get high offensive side guy back and you have the money to pay for said guy. Maybe someone's trying to do a contract dump. Vladimir Tarasenko still out there. I'm just kidding. We can't afford that. <laughs> but um, the point is, is that Hockenpah, whether you're talking about an upgrade over Sekera or Joel Hanley, it's an infinite upgrade. He does everything literally better than both of those players. So upgrade right away with a second day free agent signing. So pretty, pretty pumped about that. Now, if we want to go to Luke Glendening. Uh, I know everybody is not familiar with him, but like I said, face-off king. I'm going to give you who I believe he's coming in here and replacing, which is Jason Dickinson. That's, that's who they're replacing with that signing. Now, last year, Jason Dickinson, 51 games, 7 goals, 8 assists, 15 points total. Uh, also had plus minus of minus 2. And face-off percentage of 56.3. Um, not the worst player in the world. Or not the worst season in the world, I should say. But, you know, eh, kind of your eh. He's a, he's a bottom six guy. Like, that's what you're, that's what you're seeing there. Now, I'll go over to Glendon. 54 games, 6 goals, 9 assists, same point total, plus 3 on the uh, plus minus, and, uh, and then his face-off percentage, 60.9, almost 61% face-off wins. That's pretty ridiculous. He also had 57 blocks, too, um, as far as shots go. Uh, that, that's more than Dickinson had 49, who's Dickinson's a good shot blocker, too. So basically, you're just getting a more upgraded version of Jason Dickinson and a veteran version. Like, he's been in Detroit forever. Everybody that has uh, come out and congratulated the stars from Detroit Nation has, uh, has been like, you got a good one. He's been with the Red Wings for so long. They love him there. Like, he just plays tenacious, grinder. Um, he just plays good hockey. I mean, that's what you're looking for. On contending teams, 
you need those types of guys. I mean, he's had seasons where he's popped and had double-digit goals. But that's not what he's here to do. He's here to win face-offs. He's here to kill penalties. He's here to eat up bottom six minutes that you may need on, like, a checking line. Or he'll center a, a line of Garyanov and, I don't know, Kibiranta, right? Uh, so, or maybe even Riley Damian. I don't know. So, that's what you're more looking for with uh, with Glendon, right? So, that's an upgrade over Dickinson. Now, the big one. Ryan Suter. Very controversial deal because... It was four years to a guy who's going to be 37, and so he'll be 40. By the time the deal's done, he signed it when he was 36, but he will be 37 for this year. He'll be into his 40s when the season, or when the contract is done, technically. So, with all of that said, I understand the reluctancy to give long-term numbers to a an older player. I get it. Stars also got a lot of heat whenever they signed Joe Pavelski to a multi-year deal because he was old. I believe he was about the same age, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, let me see how old Jumbo, not Jumbo Joe, that's uh, Joe Thornton, but uh, Captain America, let's see how old he is because I can tell you how old he was when he signed the contract. Joe Pavelski is 37 now, so he was 35 when he signed with us. So, talking about a year difference, and Joe Pavelski's still with us until next year. He'll be 38. So, I mean, splitting hairs at that point. And also, Joe Pavelski's still an elite offensive player into his late 30s. So, it's fine. Hockey players that are really good, they they can play. He's been very durable throughout his career too, and he's missed a handful of games. Like he's a he's an Iron Man. And he's one of the best positional D-men in the league. Now, who he's coming in and replacing, it's not even fair to uh, compare him, but I will. Mainly because the guy that he replaced got like a million more dollars a year than Soup. Jamie Alexiak went and signed with the Kraken, the expansion team, for like four and a half AAV. We got Suter for 3.65. So, no, we weren't going to touch anything close to that for Jamie Alexiak because he hadn't proven that he's worth that. That's awesome that he went and got that money. That's great. Um, but we weren't even going to get close to doing that. We liked him, but we weren't even getting anywhere close to doing that. Instead, we're going to sign Suter and Yanni Hockenpah to take over that role. And then... If we want to talk about offensive upside, you've turned the Miro pairing into, instead of Miro being the offensive show, you've now turned it into Suter and Miro playing together. And five out of the last six seasons for Ryan Suter have ended in 40 and 50 plus points. Like, if I just want to go back to, let's say, 2015, 2016, and we're just going to go ascending order from there, 51 points, 40 points. 51 points, 47 points, 48 points. Last year, he only had 19. So that's the big complaint with everybody is that in, in last year, he had a down year, right? I feel like the whole wild team wasn't really there. 
I also believe that scenarios and situations help out a player, uh, some players. I think some players can overcome every single, uh, every single adversity, but I think that a lot of players just need the right situation. You know, I mean, you see it a time and time again. Look at Jamie Alexiak. He needed the right situation. We weren't the right situation with, for him at the beginning of his career. We definitely were <laughs> at the past three years, you know, like he's come in and he played well. But if we're talking about offensive upside, Jimmy Lexiak had 14 points last year, so and a minus three on his plus minus, Ryan Suter plus nine on that. Ryan Suter is a better defender, skillfully or technically sound defender than Jamie Alexia. He's just not as big, right? Um, how big is Ryan Suter, by the way? I don't want to say he's like small. Yeah, 6'1, 208. He can still hold his own. So he's just a smaller version. And then he's way better as far as skillful goes. So him and Miro together will keep Miro clean still, just like Alexiak was doing. But be able to join the rush and join the attack and not make any mistakes, really, or limit the mistakes that we'd see from Jamie Alexiak. A lot of times, if you notice, whenever he was on and he tried to join the rush, they always, always caught him out. Not always, but they seemed to catch him out more often than not whenever... Uh, You'd see guys come off the bench and they'd spring pass. That was typically on Alexiak's plate. So whenever he would try to join the rush, that's why he didn't really join it a whole lot. Typically they'd get burned on the back end. Or if they wanted him to join the rush, they they uh, had Miro sit back, which limited what he could do offensively. Whenever he should be the, the star of the show offensively, um, now you have the option of doing either or, having both of them, and having a lot more technically sound defense to where you don't get those breakaway chances or as many as when you had Alexiak on the on the roster on the ice. So all in all, if we're just talking about the free agency recap, so far, like I said, several things I feel like are still in the work, especially uh, with our netminders. You got an A. You got an A. You filled every single... Every single uh, deficiency you had or every single gap or hole, you upgraded it. So you got rid of Dickinson, you got third round pick back, and then you upgraded a player or with a player that does things better than him. They, he does the same things, similar things, but better, right? You get Ryan Suter to fill in for <laughs> Alexiak, and now your top four defense is probably top four right top four top three top two maybe i don't know man that's one of the best top fours in all of hockey you got essa lindell john klingberg miro haskinen ryan Suter. i mean that's crazy stacked and then your third pairing is going to be a combination of maybe thomas harley gets an opportunity and he's big time offensive upside so maybe harley pops in there with hockenpah maybe hockenpah and sekera Hockenpah and Joel Hanley, I mean, whatever. That third pairing has been upgraded, is what I'm trying to say. I would assume for the money that Sekera makes, I want to say he makes like 1.8, something like that, they might shed his deal. So that's why I'm saying that's an upgrade over Sekera. I don't expect that they would keep him around since he's getting a little older. He's been kind of underwhelming as a star. I would assume they would be bringing in Hockenpah to say, hey, pair up with Joel Hanley and just be a third pairing that's pretty solid you know like that's pretty good depth for a third pairing now as far as the forwards go 
I understand, and I built the contender. Don't get me wrong. I told them what this. I told the stars what they should do. Made a whole video about it. They didn't listen. That's fine. But they um, they did it better than I would have done. It. So they did it better because they strategically. I didn't know Ben Bishop was going to be on long-term IR. I didn't know any of this stuff was going on. So, um, so it's going to look similar where I think they're still going to move on from Kodobin and all of that. But they upgraded the the blue line in a in a way that is way better. I was wanting to re-sign Alexiak just to keep it the way it is because he plays well with Miro and all that. I'd never have dreamed that we were upgrading in the fashion of Ryan Suter. Never would have dreamed that. So they did it better than I would have done it. They just spent the money on that, which top four demon are very, very important. And that's why they reallocated the money to there. And they said, you know what? As far as top six forwards, we already have our top six. You got Robertson, you got Hintz, you got uh, Pavelski, you got Seggs, you got Jamie Benn, and you got Radulov. That's six right there. You don't need any more to add to that. Now, you, do, you did need some depth. So you replaced Jason Dickinson with Glendon, right? And then, um, and then they also got Mike uh, Raffle, right? He can come in and be a fourth line center too, but you still got Fox on the roster for now. I don't know if they're trying to move on from him or something like that uh, to free up some more cap space. I don't know, but Fox is a good fourth line center. That's your checking line. You have Fox, a Como, and I think maybe Raffle is, he might swing out to a wing there. That might be your checking line right there. Um, so. Or maybe Kiwi's in there. I don't know. Or maybe Kiwi's on that uh, third pairing, or third, uh, not pairing, but third line with, you know, you have Glendening, Giryanov, and maybe Kiwi. I don't know. I don't know. But what I do know is that they upgraded. They upgraded. So to answer the original question of the, of the whole segment, yeah, they're still contenders. They're still contenders. <laughs> They are still contenders. Now, uh, we're going to take one more small break, and then I'm going to do one more small segment because uh, I want to talk about these Dallas Cowboys and uh, and figure out what we're doing there. Uh, Dak Prescott has a uh, little bit of shoulder situation, and so I want to shed light on that, give my thoughts, tell you that I don't know if we should worry and panic yet. So, stick tight. Hold on. training camp more wanted to hop in and 
talk about some maybe some more players that are popping out to me and then um, the main thing is the headlines and the biggest headline Dak Prescott limited in practice at least for the next few days according to Mike McCarthy uh, what scared me is that <laughs> he I'm actually listened to, uh, listening to 105.3 the flagship station uh, namely G-Bag Nation uh, they were actually on the practice field at Oxnard and live reporting uh, camp practices which is awesome highly recommend I mean they're done now but you know if you want to go back and listen to those they're awesome uh, they no one covers it better than Jeff Cavanaugh Brian Broaddus and all them they just know football and they are given live reports but all of that said by the time that team drills came around they were like uh we don't see Dax in in with the ones we see Garrett Gilbert they're like, so uh, we don't know. We do see Dak. He's in uniform. He's in pads. He's just standing onto the side. I don't know if there's given Gilbert reps or whatever. And then about 30 some odd seconds later after they said that, they were like, um, now Dak Prescott is jogging to the locker room with the trainer, Brent Brown. And I'm like, no way. I'm like, he, he tweaked his ankle. He came back too early. Like, I'm just panicking at this point. Panicking. So have the mini heart attack. And then I come to turns out it's his shoulder and I'm like okay and then I start having a little bit of sigh of relief for just a second and then I'm like wait but a throwing shoulder <laughs> so he obviously needs the throwing shoulder so now I'm like oh well how, how what's going on and then I hear an MRI and I'm like I don't have to tell y'all y'all went through the same gymnastics so I'm like I'm like this this is it this is it this is how it ends I, I can't believe I got all excited about this season and Dak's not even going to make it to it. <laughs> so that's just how my brain is, man. I'm scarred from last year. So all of that happens. We find out it's a very minor, very minor muscle strain in his shoulder. What Mike McCarthy is saying and what I assumed too, overcompensating from not being able to drive off the back foot whenever he was rehabbing, throwing on that ankle. Does that make sense? So he was not able to drive as much on the back foot because it was broken in half. <laughs> so when he was throwing, he was throwing with mostly shoulder. Not proper technique in any sport, but you know, it's namely football. You can't just throw with just your shoulder, you gotta use your lower body quite a bit. He wasn't able to use it as much, overcompensated with his shoulder to try to muscle balls in there. And um, that's what led to the very minor muscle strain. Now, that still sent everybody into a panic because they are like, oh, well, muscle strains can last for months, weeks, years, right? And that's like the kind of reaction we got. I'm like, oh, hold on, hold on. It's not what anybody said. Nobody said anything about weeks or anything. They said, they said maybe he could miss a few weeks and that's what someone immediately put out without really talking with the doctors or anything like that is what it sounds like because then immediately after that, they were coming out and saying, hey, we don't want him throwing for a couple of days and then we're going to reevaluate him then because we think it's just something minor. So, not time to panic yet. Now, here's the deal. Even if it is more than a couple days, even if it is a few weeks, we're six weeks out of playing professional football for real. So, I'm okay if he doesn't play a snap in the preseason or maybe plays a couple of snaps uh, in the last game or the third game or whatever because we're still three weeks from the, th from the third game of the year. So if he wants to play in the third game 
for one drive and just go get his feet wet underneath him or whatever, get that shoulder all worked out, great. But he could do that without throwing for the next three weeks. That's not what the injury is, apparently. We'll see. I mean, I'm not going to act like uh, like I know because they could be just sniffing the roses. I don't know. You know, I know they're going to be optimistic. I know Dak's going to be optimistic. He's like, oh, yeah, if, I've, if we were playing the Buccaneers tomorrow, I'd be playing, right? Like, I get that. But also just a little frightening. Just, just a little. Just a little. But no reason to panic yet. We get to... If we get to the latter half of training camp and he hasn't picked up a football yet to throw, probably start, probably start a little, probably start a little panic, just, just a little bit, just a little bit, not not too much, just a little panic. And then if we start hearing things around the, uh, you know, the week before, and he still hasn't thrown, and we're a week away from playing, or a week or two away from playing the Bucks, little, little panic, maybe a little panic. Um, and if we're really hearing it, practice week that he's limited with his throwing shoulder, full-on panic, and uh, I'm probably going, uh, I don't know, suicidal at that point? <laughs> I don't know. Going crazy at least. So, all of that said, like I said, let's just, let's just chill for a second. We, ain't, we, don't, we don't gotta freak out. We don't gotta freak out yet. On to a better topic. Players popping so far. Kelvin Joseph has really uh, turned it around. He showed up out of shape at OTAs. Me and Juice were talking about this. Showed up at camp and looked a lot better. Had some down days, but dude covers deep routes like it's nothing. Not very many passes been able to be completed on him. He's going nuts. Micah Parsons still doing his thing. Just He's been the best player in camp so far on the defensive side. And it's not really close. Uh, it's crazy. Neville Gallimore. He looks big, and he is throwing dudes around. Ever since they've started practicing with pads, uh, you know, no pun intended, popping the pads, dude. Like, he is he's crushing dudes. He's crushing them. Trayvon Diggs continue to do Trayvon, Trayvon Diggs things. Garrett Gilbert. Garrett Gilbert stepping in for Dak after all that said. Earlier, Garrett Gilbert looks nice. He looks like he'll be a nice backup. I think we're good at that position. I know some people want to go trade for maybe like a Gardner Minshew, pick up a Robert Griffin III. I'm, I don't hate those ideas either, but I think Garrett Gilbert, I think they like Garrett Gilbert, and if he knows the system, they don't have to worry about trying to bring a new quarterback up to speed. They like what they have in Gilbert. I like what I see so far. He stepped in with the ones. He's looked, he's looked fine. He's looked fine. I mean, he's a backup quarterback. Yeah, let's Let's not get it twisted. He's not a, He's not coming in here to take Dak's job. He's just, he, he's nice. He's a nice backup. So, so we're good there. CeeDee Lamb just continuing to just be ridiculous. He's making one-handed catches all over the place. Uh, he, he's taking the step in year two that we expected him to take. But still, even whenever he does these things, you're like still blown away. I mean, he's like a, it's not to the same extent, but like a Luka Doncic-esque on the football field where he just does special things that oh, just he just always impresses you. He does all the little things right, and then he pops up with the wow play that you're just like, it just drops your jaw. And you're just, you're just blown away that he's so young. That's, that's why he reminds me so much of Luka. Obviously, he's not as dominant at his sport as Luka is at his, or impactful, I should say. But uh, yeah, does all the special things and really love seeing it. 
Who else? Who else? Um, who else am I thinking? Maybe has popped up a little bit. Ooh, since the pads have popped on, I've been noticing Keanu Neal a lot more. There was something like he was struggling in coverage. He was struggling in coverage. There's no way, no ways around it. We put on the pads. Those coverage things have been fixed, man. He is covering people. He's hitting people. Like I saw him meet a, a fullback in the hole. Fun fact: went to high school with uh, with the fullback that he met in the hole, Nick Ralston. Uh, dude is massive. Dude is massive. Shout out Argyle High. But uh, met the dude in the hole and put him just basically acted like it was like a, a, a fly or something that he just kind of brushed off, dude. Like he met the dude in the hole. Nick just kind of flew <laughs> flew off of him, bounced right off, and uh, he was ready to make a tackle. So Keanu Neal, dude, he's a different guy. Like he looks physically imposing, don't get me wrong, but like there's just something about it, the explosiveness in his hands and his pads. He's an explosive dude. He's very large, and I would expect him to be a pretty decent coverage linebacker as well. So, hoping that continues. Hoping that continues. Who else? Who else? Who else? I'm trying to make sure I'm not missing anybody, because uh, I did have my set list, but I just want to make sure I'm not missing anybody or forgetting anybody. Uh, uh, Malik Turner. Malik Turner, wide receiver. Looking nice. Looking nice. Making some plays. Um... Ben DiNucci is popping in a bad way. Does that count as part of the segment? Yeah, he looks horrible. It's, I don't, I'd be very, very shocked if he makes the roster. I think they're just going to roll with two quarterbacks. Nooch will be on your practice squad or maybe out of the league because he's bad. Bad, bad, bad in practice. Um, Zeke still looking good. Still looking, still looking good. Um, man, I think that's it. I think that's it as far as players that are popping. Um, like I said, don't, don't panic about Dak yet. Just keyword. Keyword. Anyway, happy Friday. Love all of y'all. Um, just have a blessed weekend. Blessed day. Uh, and we will, uh, as always, God bless you. You in particular. See you next time. Until next time. <laughs>